Chrissy Hines, welcome to Wave 105. Can I just say, this was a little bit unexpected, this album, from you. Has everybody said that to you today? Uh, it's it's kind of an odd one, yeah. I think people are didn't mean to surprise anyone, but why not? It's always good to be full of surprises. and Everyone uh, likes a surprise. Yeah, and it's, I mean, just to, to explain to people what you've done, you've taken like loads of, I'm going to say not jazz standards, because they're not standards, but you've picked a lot of jazz stuff from the 60s, and uh, you've definitely made it your own, haven't you? What was the story behind uh, b behind making this album? This was started with about 10 years ago. Marius de Vries invited me to sing I Wish You Love, the Charles Trenet song. For a, It was... Um, a film. He does a lot of film work. He's the producer on this thing. And it was for a film called uh, The Eye of the Beholder. And um, so I, I sang the song um, and it had a big orchestra. But the thing that really struck me about it was at the end of the song, when the credits came up, I think it was, there was all this sort of like trancey sort of psychedelia going on, electronic stuff. And that was the part that really turned me on. So I said to Marius, you know, we should do some more. Um, but we've both been working on other projects. Uh, so anyway, we just got together when we could and collected songs which uh, mainly were songs that I thought had a lot of melodic um, uh, possibility, you know, songs with melody, because I think that's what I miss a lot in modern music is songs are often just very linear without a lot of melody. So from a, from a karaoke singer's point of view, melody is more fun. And this is an interesting thing as well because a lot of people, if they were to do like an album of, of, of jazz classics and jazz standards, would do it in the style of, of people who did it back in the day. But your voice is instantly recognisable as Chrissy Hind, and it's just not changed at all over the years since you did, you know, since you were doing stuff with the Pretenders, you know, Brass in Pocket Days. It is definitely you and your own take on this. Was that something that you consciously went for? Uh, not especially. No, I just try to be myself. You know, I'm not trying to copy anyone. Um, so, uh, and they're not all jazz songs. I mean, Caroline No is uh, Beach Boys. Um, I just, um, I think I've just been around enough that people recognize my voice. You know, I, I'm not really, I didn't try to modify my singing style, but you can't sing uh, How Glad I Am the way you'd sing Stop Your Sobbing. I mean, they're just different, different melodically, different backings. It's interesting that you've gone this way with this album as well. It's also equally as interesting that you've got uh, the support of a, uh, you know, of a, of a label to enable you to put something out like this because it is going in completely the opposite direction of ninety nine percent of, as you say, the rest of the world's music. It's you know, it is melodic and it is you know, it's fair to say there's some challenging stuff on the album, isn't there? Yeah. Well, funny you should say about that because we didn't have a label. We did the album uh, on our own and then we found a label because. Uh, Ten years ago when I tried to do it, I don't think anyone was interested. So I sort of just bumbled along on my own, uh, got together with Marius, and, you know, just prayed that one day someone would buy it off us. And that is more or less what's happened. Um, and I was going to say as well, not only are you uh, singing on the album, you've done the, uh, the artwork as well, which is a nice little touch, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, again, everyone that sings or plays music in a band usually was some sort of either an art student or uh, I think a lot of us just weren't academically very astute. Certainly I wasn't. I was a dropout. Um, but I always liked making things. When I was little, I sewed. I made, I carved, whittled, you know, whatever I could make. Um, we uh, made tree forts. I sewed 
clothes for myself in the 60s and bell bottoms and I like making stuff. So painting was the thing that sort of got sidetracked when I got into the band. Uh, and then, you know, I had kids. I just had no time for it. Now I have time for it. It's nice to be able to sort of com combine everything together. It's an interesting story behind the title of the album as well, because if you look at the Valve Bone Woe, you think to yourself, or at least I did, I thought, what the hell is that all about? But there is a definite story to that, isn't there, Chrissy? Uh -huh. Well, I like the title because it sounds bloody, you know, Valve Bone Woe. I, something about it sounds organic. But it was a valve trombone player named Bob Brookmeyer who died a few years ago. And I sent the obit, uh, well, I, I read it, to my, I sent an email to my brother saying, R.I.P. Bob Brookmeyer, and he wrote back and said, Val Bone Woe, Valve Bone being an abbreviation in the jazz world for a valve trombone. Um, I thought, that's a good title, and it's something I want to keep explaining for the rest of my life, so I'll call my album that. It's, it's interesting because it's definitely a talking point. Did you? I mean, did you grow up with a lot of with, with a lot of jazz music, or is this just something that has come through your brother? How's have 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 you discovered that kind of music? Well, jazz was certainly there in the mid '60s when I was a teenager. Uh, my brother had a couple of jazz albums. There was a uh, Charlie Mingus one where uh, Meditations for a Pair of Wire Cutters. I remember that. It was a melody I always had in my head. Uh, there wasn't much music in my house, but there was a lot of music on the radio, and I was uh, obviously extremely interested in rock music. That was everything. So jazz was kind of more in the background, but I think anyone my age heard jazz, any music lover, and I think any musician will recognize jazz as the most innovative and uh, you know kind of interesting musical genre. I mean, the dumbing down of it all came with rock and roll. I mean, there was a lot of experimentation in rock and roll, um, but, you know, not as sort of free form as John Coltrane. No, I absolutely love it. Meditation on a, on a pair of wire cutters is one of my. Are you going to hate me for saying this? One of my favorite tracks on the album because there's not actually. Oh, fantastic! There's not actually a lot of you on that track. Though, there's none there? of me. I know. I love. And you know, the instrument on, on it is a kalimba. Really? You know the little African the little, thing. The, you the play shaky with your, thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you play it. It's got like I don't know how many prongs. Twelve, fifteen prongs, and you play it with your thumbs by by plunking down on the prongs. It's like a little wood instrument. Um, and there's another instrument in that called a duduk, um, which no one's asked me about, or the kalimba, so this is a first. But there was a, someone in the next studio at Air Studios making a, a, a soundtrack for his new uh, film. Um, he was a friend of mine, Terry George, and he was doing, he did um, Hotel Rwanda, and he was working on a film called Promise, uh, which is about the genocide in um, Armenia, and he had a, an Armenian, the most famous Armenian duduk player in the next studio, so we so grabbed him grabbed and he's him. playing on it. It's, it's things like that sometimes you know it's very serendipitous the way these things happen and you get you know just purely by coincidence somebody be, will be there doing something and as you say you can just seize that moment and and certainly with uh, with with this album you're able to to go away and do that i love the sort of lush strings on it as well it kind of reminds me uh it's almost a little bit star trekky in places with some of those sort of like weird electronic harmonies as well there's, there's a bit of everything in the album isn't there it's diverse. There's a lot going on. Uh, but what, I always wanted it to come back to something kind of trippy, trance music, a dub element. That's what I was trying. That's what I was going for. And a lot of, um, you know, melody stuff to sing. But uh, Marius also had his own ideas. So his contribution was a lot of lush strings and things.
It is definitely a. Uh, I think Trippy is a is a good way to to, to describe it, really, isn't it? And it's one of those albums as well that um, you, it's, sometimes you don't want to listen to an album all the way through. Do you know what I mean? But one of these, I've had this on in the car for the past couple of days, and it's just um, it's just nice to hear it sort of sort of go round and round in 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 a loop. Was did you did you make it in the thought that people would dip in and out of it, or as a, a sort of you know listen to the thing in in its entirety? Well, this idea of not dipping in and, you know, of making a whole album is what every rock musician makes records with side one, side two. It's a very, uh, that's very traditional in music and, you know, has been probably since vinyl records were first pressed. Uh, you know, and this, you have side one, side two, there's a certain amount of music on, just enough to digest. and But that really got... Um, um, I wouldn't say that whole concept has been destroyed because there's a lot of people. Dan Arbuck is very old-fashioned that way. I've worked with him. He's a real side one, side two guy. Um, but now you can, these pop artists just put out songs uh, like singles, which, you know, is good. But I'm not really quite sure. Where, I have this conversation often with people where the uh, where the album format, people seem to go back to it because it just seems to be the best format. Do you ever get the feeling that music is not something as special now that it's so easily available, instantly downloadable? Whereas before, you know, when, when things were released on, on vinyl, you would have to physically sit down, put the needle on the record and sit there. And it used to be almost more of an occasion to listen to an album, whereas now, is it too easy to, to discover music and hear music? Well, I think, you know, that's it's tempting to, to say that and for all sorts of reasons. Uh, someone older can say that, but I mean, it's a different world for someone who's 15 now. And music will be important to them as maybe in a different way that, it, I mean, in my life, music was the most important thing in my life. Um, but then I made a, my whole, it was my destiny. Um, but I think we, it's very hard to, for someone in their 60s like myself to judge how much, you know, a, a 15 year old, how, how significant music is to them. And I suspect it's as significant. And grandma should just back off and let him get on with it. <laughs> That's a very gentle telling off you've given me just there. So thank you for no, that. No, I'm just saying myself, I'm tempted to say we had it better. But, you know, who, we can't say that. Absolutely. Do you still get as much of a kick out of performing? Obviously, you still are, you still are performing. Do you still enjoy that side of things as much or, or more than um, going into a studio and recording for, for hours? Well, again, that's a cycle, you know, like listening to a whole record. You First of all, the writing process of, is a very special thing, writing the songs, uh, then taking them into the band and rehearsing them. That's a whole other phase. Then taking them into the studio, another thing. They're all very different. It's a process. And then taking them on stage and performing them is kind of the, that is where what it all leads to. And that's the... Um, I, you could say the actively fun part because, you know, you're out there and with people and you're performing it and it's um, best case scenario, it's fun. Um, but the whole process is part of it and they all have their own. By the time you get back to the writing phase, you're ready for it again. You know, they, they kind of burn out just at the right time. Perfect. I suppose we ought to play "How Glad I Am Now," which is the uh, the, the the major uh, track from the album that's being uh, talked about at the moment. Quick uh, backstory to "How Glad I Am," please. That was just a song I remembered. I've been wanting to do a cover of it for for years. When I've had ideas of doing some sort of covers, I've always done a cover on every Pretenders album, but to do a whole album, and um, I hadn't heard that one for a long time. And so we recorded it, and the next thing you know, I came off tour 
turn on the television at three in the morning and there it is on a nappy ad. Uh, but mainly if you don't have a baby, you're not you know, paying attention to nappy ads, you might not have remembered the Nancy Wilson song. Fantastic. Chrissy Hind, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today.